Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and with me is only one of my co-hosts, because the other one is at Comic-Con. Yes, so hi, it's Anya Crittenton, a writer at Gaystar News, and HD is at her very first Comic-Con, Baby's First Comic-Con. Yeah, she's covering... All of the Hall H news for Slash Films. So definitely check out her website for all that information. I guess not, I guess it's not technically her website. Check out slashfilm.com yes. for all of her her, her reporting and whatnot. And follow her on Twitter for the updates from Hall H. Although I guess by the by the point you're listening to this, Comic-Con will definitely be over. Oh, so you will have hopefully so, already heard all this. Yeah. Um Okay, Anya, what are we talking about today? <laughs> so this week, um, Willoughby and I are going to be talking about one of my favorite book series and a book series that I have recently got Willoughby into. Um, and so we decided it would be a good opportunity to just talk about the series and why we love it. And that would be Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Riordan. Um, and by extension, we'll be chatting about his other mythological series because they all exist within the same universe. Um, so Rick Riordan's mythological universe um, and his books are basically, they're like middle school age books, I would say, probably. Maybe elementary. Yeah, I'd say like all the, the characters, I'd say they're, the, they're for the ages of the characters in the books. So yeah, like they do get darker as they get older yeah it's very much like in in line and we're gonna bring this up a lot of like harry potter starts out very innocent like but then quickly as the characters grow up um as and as evil um becomes more of a dominant presence like they definitely become darker and um from what i've been told the book i'm on the house of hades gets real dark um which is like i guess at, at this point the ninth book in the series like, uh, like at that point, like, I think so. Is there five Percy Jackets, Jacksons, and the Olympians, and then, five and then the heroes of Olympus? Yeah, okay. So I'm on like the ninth. Yeah, this. so you're you're getting there. So Rick Riordan, um, so he started his series with Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which, as we just mentioned, is a five book series um, about kids who realize that they are demigods. They have one mortal parent and one uh, Greek god for a parent, and there is a camp in New York for these demigods. Um, And so the first five books are all about that universe. Um, And then he put out Heroes of Olympus, which is another five book series that brings in Roman gods to this universe. Their children. Yes, and their children. Um, And Roman gods and Greek gods coexist. Um, And then he also has a series on Egyptian mythology, which, again, same universe, so Egyptian gods also coexist with Greek and Roman. It's really fun that, like, all of this kind of exists together, and he didn't make it say, like, oh, only one world can have one set of, like, mythological gods. Um, And then he also put out um, a Norse mythology trilogy, and he is also currently doing a spinoff series um, specifically about Apollo, the Greek god. Um, and so he just, he has all these books about all these different mythological figures and worlds. And like I said, they all coexist. The demigods all exist together. Like, um, Annabeth Chase, who is from Percy Jackson, she's the daughter of Athena, is the cousin of Magnus Chase, who is a Norse god, a Norse demigod. So it's fun that like, they all kind of like coexist and hang out together, but like come from different worlds. And, um, so that was a very tongue-tied way of saying Required. No, you're all, good. all very fun about different uh, mythologies. Yeah, he, he, did, he did. He did. He did the first MCU, the mythology cinematic universe. Although Basically. we could we we could get into the cinematic part of the Percy Jackson at some point. You might mention it, maybe. <laughs> they tried. Uh, they they have they've also done a Broadway musical. Or was it on, was it on Broadway or was it, it off Broadway? Broadway? It was off Broadway. But the songs are actually really fun. I've listened to a couple of them. I, it's they sound like a bop. Like yeah, they, they're fun little bops. You know, I've I've heard I saw on Tumblr when I was like searching through the Percy Jackson tag that people like the musical. So I guess yeah. you know they did it. They did it good. Um, so Anya, you're the biggest Percy Jackson fan I know. <laughs> and I you're also that. the person that got me into Percy Jackson. So yeah. why don't why don't you talk about your your love? of the son of Poseidon and his uh, 
adventures with friends. Oh, I shall, I shall. Um, so I started reading Percy Jackson um, way back when it was first being published. Um, I think I might have gotten into it when, like, by the time the first two or three books had been out. Um, but I got into it while the first series was still, like, being published um, back in, like, 2009, 2010. And I've loved Greek mythology since I was a little girl, um, partially from, like, the Disney Hercules movie to the fact that I grew up on the Kevin Sorbo Hercules legendary journeys. And I've just always found the Greek gods to be really fun and ridiculous and a dramatic romp. Um, and so when I read about the series, I was like, oh, yeah, man, this sounds like just up my alley. And like, I love Harry Potter and I love fantasy and um, series of heroes, you know, going on adventures. And so I picked up these books and I just really fell in love. And definitely at the beginning, um, his earlier books definitely feel like we mentioned, feel aimed at a younger age. So I did feel like a little they were a little like below my reading level, I guess. Um but I think a few things is that, like, A, Rick Riordan has definitely improved as a writer over the years. Like, you can just tell in his later books just how much more sophisticated he is as a writer. And I also just enjoyed them so much that I didn't really care that they were for a younger audience. Um, and I just had so much fun with them. And one of the things we'll get into is, like, the, di the diversity of the series because it really strikes a chord with me. Um... But I just, I loved reading about these Greek gods and how they exist in the modern world and how silly these books are. They're so fun. Um, and it's actually the first thing that my girlfriend and I bonded over together that we realized that we, like, had in common. And so Percy Jackson is kind of, like, how we became friends in the first place. Hell yeah. Um, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so it's really fun. And I just, I love these series. And I actually think his best series is probably the Norse Mythology Trilogy. I think oh, I can't really, wait. It's so good. It's phenomenal. Um, but I really love all of them. And yeah, so I just love these series for so many reasons. Um, and then I got Willoughby into reading them only recently. So tell me about how that's been going, Willoughby. So I, I've been reading all these books since like the beginning of the year. It was sort of a New Year's resolution to be like, I'm going to read Percy Jackson. Because you've been, you know, every time... Every time we bring up Harry Potter on the podcast, you, you always like a lot of times we compare him, be care, compare J.K. Rowling to Rick Riordan in terms of diversity representation. And so what you've talked a lot together. of you've talked a lot about how Rick Riordan has really you know done his work to lift up other voices as well as incorporate characters, characters of color, characters with like disabilities and like a lot of a lot of things that we don't see in young adult books for mainstream audiences. And so I was like, you know, every time you, every time you've talked about Percy Jackson, I was like, I should, I should give Percy Jackson like a look <laughs> because like, I know that the, the, the movies didn't do well. They were critically lambasted and they were just weren't great. So I was like, well, okay. That, I mean, I, and I shouldn't have, you know dismissed an entire book series based on the movies that were developed because that's literally the definition of judging a book by its cover or judging a book by its movie um and, and which is funny because weren't they both directed by christopher columbus did he yeah it's crazy how like the first two harry potter movies are so wonderful and then percy jackson was not wonderful and they're both by Chris Columbus and I just I wonder it, it felt like Chris Columbus put a lot more heart into the Harry Potter uh movies it's annoying because the Percy Jackson the second movie is atrocious I don't even want to talk about it but the first movie is not good but there are elements of it like I like I thought Logan Lerman was a fine Percy um mm -hmm. I think he could have been maybe a little younger slash dorkier um, as Percy is, but, like, I didn't hate that casting, and, like, there were some elements of it, of the movie, that, like, I, it did feel like Percy Jackson that I read, but the problem is, is that, like, the movie tried to be too cool, I feel like, and Percy Jackson is not a cool, like, it's a pretty dorky, fun series, like, it's not, I don't oh, want yeah. it to be cool, um, and so I just feel like they, they didn't get it, really, they didn't get the spirit of it, and they just, I don't, it felt more like a cash grab, like, they wanted it to be the next Harry Potter than actually, like, having passion for the series. Yeah, I can see that. And I've only seen clips of the movies online. So it's like, 
because I'm like when I was like diving into Percy Jackson, I was like, well, how does the movie compare? And I was like, oh, no, not great. good. And they also not did good. they did a bunch of recasting in the second movie of of uh, yeah of the of like some of the characters and some of the gods, and I was like, that's yeah. weird. Um, but you know what I think? So, I think um, the Percy Rick Riordan and um, his books are all published under Hyperion, which is Disney's publishing company, and mm-hmm. I'm like with the emergence of Disney Plus, I'm like it would be a really cool it, cool place and time to maybe like try another attempt at adapting the series like I feel like Disney Plus could be like a really fun place for that if they like did like a limited series or a full series they or whatever do, like or even like animated because I feel like there's a lot animated would See, be really so, fun so like with the emergence, well, like we we talked recently talked about limited series and how a lot of them are are adapted from novels and franchises, and I think that one of the things that I'm really hoping happens more with peak TV is the is the um, creative freedom to say, hey, maybe these don't have to be you know limited to movies. We could adapt these franchises into TV shows or animated mm-hmm. series, yeah, and and do the de- you know have the character development that you can have and all you know do the don't go the harry potter or hunger games route but do more of the second iteration of his dark materials which is mm-hmm. instead of taking it into a movie take these really long novels and make them actual television shows which yeah. you know it it can work and we've seen it work in the past and you know ho- we're very excited for his his dark materials it looks really good hbo released a trailer and there's it looks like fantastic, so I'm excited for that. Um, and it also, there's kind of a, um, I feel like there's not really anything that's like Percy Jackson on TV right now, or streaming or network or cable or otherwise, whatever. Like something that is sort of like family friendly and the like sort of adventure fantasy realm. Like there are lots of like sitcoms and stuff that are family friendly that like people watch together, but I feel like we don't really have a sort of family adventure show. I guess, like, I feel like Percy Jackson could tap into a market that doesn't really have anything going for it right now. Yeah, I mean, like, we, you know, we Marvel just announced a bunch of MCU tie-in television shows um, that um, are not the Netflix shows. These are very much like the characters we've seen in the movies having their own limited runs. So like Disney Plus could be a, a breeding ground for, you know, different types of television to take place and things that we haven't seen before. And, and hopefully it's, you know, something that Disney doesn't feel like they need to make a billion dollars off of it so they can just sort of let the let the creative freedom flag fly um, in terms of television. Because like as we, you know, there's there's a there's a recent uh, blockbuster hit remake that came out this weekend that definitely seems, uh, well, it's definitely a movie, um, and yep. it's definitely it's definitely tied to its source material, um, like a zipper, um, and so yeah, no, let's let's bring it back to why I really like the series because I feel yeah, like yeah, tell me tell uh, me um what you what you like about it and like what you've been enjoying as you've been reading the series. I really identified with Percy, mm-hmm. which is weird. Cause I don't like at the very beginning of the, of the first book, you know, they talk about how he has ADHD and dyslexia and I have neither, but like, I still connect to him on like a deep personal level of like his personality type and like his, yeah. the way he like sort of, which is really cool because like, a lot of times, you know, the main characters of these novels are nondescript in a way of it, you know, you could have a headcanon that this character has some sort of, you know, they're not the quote unquote normal or, you know, they could have like attention deficit disorder. Like a lot of Harry Potter headcanons have Harry as a person of color. And because J.K. Rowling never made that like, uh, you know, they, she never specified his skin color. So, you know, but Rick Riordan is like, no, I'm going to make this, like, legitimately, like, this character has these things, like, and that doesn't make him a lesser character. And yeah. in, in fact, it makes him, like, greater. And he says, like, all of these Greek gods have the same uh, dyslexia and um, uh, ADHD because, like, it's, like, it's wired to their brains that they're, you know, 
gods and you know demigods and like that affects their the way that they read because they're they're hardwired for ancient greek and you know i think that's a really interesting way of like of you know lifting up voices that aren't lifted up straight from the main character and you know he is like i you know like logan lerman Lerman portrayed him in the movie so like he is sort of you know what what hollywood thinks of as the main character but then he's able to bring in all these characters that are not you know standard hollywood fare and i really appreciate that and so and like the story is so cool because it's it's like hey what if there was a camp for the bastard children of demigod of gods (laughs) and like that's sort of like the pitch is like what if there was a camp of demigods and they they had like adventures based on their greek god they're like god godly parent and yeah and like there's you know there's there's obviously conflict between the characters because there's conflict between the gods and those personalities don't mix all the well but then it's like they come together to fight evil which is really fun it's like it's um I don't know. I really like the the young adult novel approach of it all, as well as you know, just mixing it up and changing things, and like really bringing in Greek mythology as like a real. It's not just like a you know broad strokes. Like they sacrifice parts of their food to their to their you know demi to their to their godly parents, which is something that like you know you don't really you would just be like oh yeah no they're just they're just this is a safe place for the demigods but like they really do like a lot of like niche things uh in relation to greek mythology that i really appreciate right and some of the characters like they're not just the gods like they also bring in like minor gods and like nymph characters or you know like characters like um daedalus i think that's how you pronounce his name i don't know Um, i was i was called daedalus daedalus yeah i've never like known um but like characters from you know, traditional Greek mythology stories that don't necessarily have to be the gods. So, like, Rick Riordan, like, he he touches on so many facets of mythology, which is really cool. Yeah, and, and I really appreciate the, um, the, it's not just they're at a camp all summer, and that's the story. It's all about going on quests and adventuring. Like, like, it's the opposite of Harry Potter, I'd say, in terms of that, where, like, all the action takes place in this, in this one area, and at the end of the school year, you go back home to your normal life, whereas uh, Rick Riordan's books are sort of the opposite of that, where it's like, we're not going to worry about school. This is all about, you know, summertime and mm-hmm. camp and, and adventures and, like, traveling across America. And, like, the first movie, the first, sorry, the first book really reminded me of American Gods as, like, almost like american gods jr but i don't mean that in a bad way i literally mean it as in like these are you know the kids of gods who are traveling the um the nation and also like it's the same concept of like as immigrants have moved over to this nation they've also brought their deities Mm -hmm. and 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 like they've set up camp like literally (laughs) but also figuratively like medusa has like a statue shop or something there's like a lot of really fun you know quirks and like uh the bermuda triangle is like where the sea of monsters is like there's a lot of really fun things in this that are just like nice twists on reality and like you know i like the way that it does build to you know a very dark climatic event in in the first series of like you know literal the god of you know chronos is like the big bad of the first book book series and he's sort of like to a, a to compare to Harry Potter, he's sort of like Voldemort, where he's like he's like on his way to being reborn. He's got dark minions, you know, working for him. He's got some characters who are good at the in the beginning, and they kind of switch over to the dark side, and their conflict there. And but he but he's like purely like the evil, like there's no redeeming Kronos. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. It's sort of interesting. It's interesting the way that Rick Riordan is able to not Disneyfy his the Greek mythology. You know, yeah. he doesn't do the he doesn't do the Hercules way of like Zeus was always a good guy. Right. He he definitely he definitely definitely um does not do that part. Um, and there's you know there's a level of like, you know, there's a level of uh the parent you know the like what happens with these you know gods who have these children with these mortals and what what is that what is that parenting like and how does that affect the kids and I feel like they do he does a really good job of sort of you know 
show, you know, doing like, I, I wouldn't say divorced parents, but, you know, having these, you know, one parent not away, not, not around sort of deals and have it be uncomfortable. He doesn't, he doesn't let that be a thing. He like, yeah, well, he doesn't, I'm trying to say, I'm trying to say this as best as I can. He, he doesn't smooth over the fact that one of these, all these, all these kids' parents, one of them is not around. Yeah. And he doesn't make that, he doesn't, he doesn't gloss over that. He definitely yeah. bring, makes that part of the, part of the, the, the issues with these characters, or, you mm-hmm. know, the, the conflicts. And, yeah. and that's also a conflict uh, that, or that's a major part of like uh, one of the, I guess, I guess he's an antagonist, Luke. Uh, yeah. It's he's a, like a, He's well, he's he's not really he's an com- anti-hero, but he he's complicated. Yeah, but like he like a big pro a big reason that he is a complicated person is because of it, though his issues with his own father, Hermes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like it's it's a really you know interesting way of addressing the fact that in Greek mythology a lot of these gods had kids with mortal men and women, and they you know they have to deal with that and that's that's what this uh this these book series are about and you know i i like the idea of having like modern quests yeah they they go off on an adventure it's like a sanctioned thing they have to go to the oracle who tells them like a prophecy and and then it's like cool it's like very much rooted in greek mythology myths of like there's a demigod hero who has to go on a quest and he gets a prophecy and and, you know sometimes it's tragic sometimes it's not Right. And I think that's really neat. And um, I think he does a really good job of marrying, like, uh, the fact that, you know, Greek mythology is, like, ancient with the fact that these books take place in, like, modern day and, like, the quests involve, like, them, like, catching a bus. And, like, there are, there are like, modern elements because they do live in the modern, real, like, present world. But Greek gods, like, still exist. And so, like, to contact each other, they have to, like, wasn't it, like, they have to, like, give, like, a drachma or whatever. Um yeah. Like into the water and then they could send an iris message which and, is just yeah. really neat it's just like, like fun stuff know, like that that like i think required and like i feel like he like his world building is really good because he is just he adds oh. all these like little fun details and he makes it work that like it is modern day but um you know these gods exist and like their way of life is still a thing and like their culture is still very much respected and like part of their lives as well. Yeah. And I find that enormously interesting, especially his world building. And especially when we get into the second series, Heroes of Olympus, where he bring where he brings in the Roman demigods mm-hmm. and the, the the sons and daughters of the Roman parts of these Greek gods because yeah. you know there's definitely a thing there where you know the gods changed at when rome became the superpower of the mediterranean exactly, and that yeah. they're you know they became much more militaristic and much more much different and the way that you know and the way of roman society uh, the, uh is different than greek society is really interestingly compared to in the series because there's a roman camp and it's a lot different than the Very greek camp it is a lot you know, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, you know, it's very much Rome. It's very much like this, like new Rome of, you know, and the way that they, ha- they build life, they have different, you know, leadership styles and, you know, they actually have like praetorian, you know, praetors or whatever. Like, it's really fascinating. And I really, really love, the way, I really love the way that he dives into each different world's the, and like the way he's able to create his own version of the mythos um yes. and like have it be constant like it's like yeah there were you know there have been presidents that have, that have been demigods there have been you know leaders of of countries who have been demigods and uh that can cause issues such as a couple world wars um you know just small things yeah and i really like you know, in the second series, I'm only on, on the fourth book, but because what I really appreciate is that, or not, I mean, I appreciate it in the first series that it's all Percy Jackson's POV. Yeah. It's all first person. It's very much from, like, written from the point of view of, like, a 14-year-old kid. 
Um, and then I also really like in the second series when he switches it up and the different chapters are the different are different kids, and yeah. you you get their personalities, you get their character development. You you know you peel back the you peel back the layers of of these little onion kids and you see what makes them tick. And it's really fascinating. And you know it's I really like I really like when it's like Annabeth has a chapter and then it, it switches to the same scene but from Percy's perspective and it's like you really get the sense that these are real real people with real personalities and real you know differences and it's not just Rick Riordan's voice the entire time I mean obviously yes. it is because he's the author but like he's able to put a spin on events that are taking place by the, these characters and you know not all these characters like each other like there's like uh, this kid Leo the second series who's yeah. sort of like he's he's a he's a great he's a great boy you but um he sort of has like he con he's like he makes fun of frank so, too many times you yes. know like or like you know it's like one of it's these are kids and they're gonna you know contrast with each other they're gonna say things that maybe they don't mean exactly um and i also love frank he's a good, very good boy as well they're all very good very good children um they're all they're all great. Um, well, and, Octavius uh, is not. Well, oh no, 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 no he's I he's, yeah no. He's not. But like the main, the main, the main seven, the main seven. They're great. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, I just the series is really good. Like I think it's okay. really, I think it's, I think it's definitely underrated because not everybody, uh, has read these books. And their probably only exposure is the movies, which is like my, that was what I was like, where I was like, well, maybe, you know, I sort of wrote them off, which I probably shouldn't have. I should have gotten like, like uh, his dark, his dark materials, like the Golden Compass movie. Not great. And then it took me a really long time to get into that. And now it's, that's one of my favorite book series. Yes. Um, so like, I think, I think my lesson that I want to impart on everybody is don't judge a book by its movie. Um, <laughs> That's a good lesson. Um, I want to dive into the characters because you sort of mentioned them um, and because like yeah. the characters and the diversity is one of my favorite aspects. Um, so before we get into some of our favorites, I just want to talk about the fact that Rick Riordan um, has such a diverse cast of characters and like Willoughby mentioned, um, Percy and all the Greek all the Greek demigods all have ADHD and dyslexia. And the reason that Rick Riordan did this is because of his own children having ADHD yeah. and dyslexia. And so I think the fact that like Rick Riordan set out, like started from the from day one of the series, like he set out to represent people who don't always see themselves in these kinds of stories. And so from day one, that has been one of his goals. And I think it like shows throughout all of his books the fact that he does have such a diverse cast of characters he has multiple characters of color he has queer characters um obviously his characters with disabilities and um with like learning difficulties and everything like that and the thing is is that like in the hands of a lesser writer both in terms of skill and intention all these characters would have come up as like tokens they would have been like nothing more than the fact that, like, you know, Piper is Native American or Hazel is Black, you know, or, um, you know, Nico is queer. And it's, like, all of these things would have just been, like, tokens to be, like, look, I'm diverse, I have representation. But instead, in Rick Riordan's hands, all these characters are fully realized and they have like full personalities and facets of their lives and you know flaws and imperfections and good traits and bad traits and they just also happen to be they also just happen to look like people in the real world like in the fact that like we are all different and there's so much to humanity um and so I just like love that it is all it's all done so well and with such like good genuine intentions and that like he does just want to represent how diverse the real world is he's talked about he won a stonewall award um for his writing and stonewall you know like the stonewall riots um so the lgbtq like um modern movement um so the stonewall awards you know are given to people 
you know, who do have representation of the LGBTQ community. And Rick Riordan has said publicly that it's the award that means the most to him because, you know, he was recognized, you know, for being an ally to this community and honoring them. Um, and he does this in so many different ways. So Willoughby, in the Norse mythology trilogy, I'm not going to, like, tell you a whole lot about it, but, like, Sure. It's some of my favorite representation, um, again, because I think, you know, they're his more recent, so, like, he's become even more skilled. And in the North Mythology trilogy, he has a gender-fluid character who uses different pronouns, and Rick Riordan is really good about respecting that and explaining that. One of the characters is Muslim, and she doesn't give up her Islam faith just because she's part of, like, the Norse mythology world, like... She still believes in Allah and her religion and also happens to think that North mythology can just like coincide with it basically. And then his main character, Magnus, was is homeless when you first meet him. And he explores that with a lot of empathy and compassion. And I just really love that because like all of it comes from a place of empathy and of like these are real people and real people are diverse and have different experiences and different backgrounds. And I just, that's that. really neat. That yeah. is, that's, that's really great. And I like that he, you know, he makes it a point to, to do this. It doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen right. because it's a mandate. Like he does it because it's, you know, it's his personal belief and opinion. In fact, that there are different types of people in this world and he right. wants to represent those people. And I, that's a really fast. I didn't know about the character who's Muslim, who also is Norse, you know, descended from Norse gods. That's a really, like, what is that conversation like? Like, it's like, really what? cool. Yeah, because that's like, one of those like things where you know you sort of have, uh, like, I, I don't know her parentage, but I'm guessing her one of her parents is Muslim, and then her other parent was a Norse god. Like, I'm a, I'm gonna let you find out. Okay, but, but yeah, but either like way, there's god. like she has a Norse god, godly parent, right? And then so, but it's it's sort of the fascinating like what happens when you grow up in a Christian household, you know, or like in a, like a divided, you know, one one person's Christian, the other person's Jewish, you know, their and their kids, you know, it depends on like how you want to raise your kid and like yeah. the aspects, like like re- like standard religion is this thing that you know I don't super you know like the dogmatic views of 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 organized religion we can that's a whole other podcast yeah, not my series favorite, but yeah <laughs> but but like having you know having belief in a higher power i'm totally cool with i you know i don't really know what i believe in but i definitely don't believe there's nothing so yeah. you know i definitely think it's a really fascinating look at you know multiple households with multiple you know with different types of religion frank frank um he is chinese i believe yeah Yeah. and his but he but he also has like like a greek he's no roman right he's got roman he's got roman demi roman god parent as well as like um he's got you know there's a there's like Chinese mythology that also comes into play for him. And I think that that's real neat and real interesting and something that that he's dealing with as as he finds out that he's also part Roman, you know. So yeah. I think that the, there's like a lot here that isn't just like these are these are they're not archetypes. They're they he flushes out these characters really well. And I really like Frank. Like he's one of my favorite characters because right. I because of that. He's got like He's got such an interesting, you know, viewpoint on life and as well as his like quote unquote superpower is really cool. Um, uh, and like he just did this really interestingly, I wouldn't call it badass, but because it, it definitely is like it's 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 a cool moment. But also the implications of it are 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 wild in the House of Hades where he has to run around and defeat all these monsters. And he does it in like such a way that he did it really, you know, it was a cool moment, but then in the aftermath of it is sort of like the, you know, the, there's some dark implications there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like you said, Rick Riordan doesn't yeah. gloss over a lot of these like conflicts and stuff, like, and the fact that like these kids have internal struggles and struggles with their parents or struggles with who they are versus like, you know, I think of like Frank 
um, who is a very sort of soft-spoken character. Um, and he is the son of Mars, the yeah. god of war. And it's he like, did that not doesn't... want that. No, and it's, so, you know, um, we can talk about a bit of our favorite. So my favorite demigod is Piper, who is, like I mentioned, she's Native American. And her demigod, um, or her godly parent is Aphrodite. And that does not fit her, she believes, mm-hmm. at the start. And so she has to kind of reconcile the fact that, like, her mom is someone who is totally different from her. And she doesn't feel like she belongs as, like, a, a daughter of Aphrodite. And and Piper has to learn how to kind of reconcile that and realize that she can be both a daughter of Aphrodite and herself. And that, you know, and it's similar with Frank and stuff. And so I think it's interesting how he's able to write all these, like, conflicts and different identities. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and you get some characters who are in line with their parents just because of the, with their personalities. Um, but then you and get, best. like you said, like, yeah, or, or you get ones. Yeah. yeah. Or you get, I guess Percy is a little bit Poseidon because he's, he he's a little, is. he's a little aloof sometimes, yeah. um, like the sea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, we haven't even talked about the fact that Tyson exists in this world. I know Tyson is, um, I consider, so Tyson is a brother of, um, Percy because he's the son of, he's a Cyclops, he's the son of Poseidon. Tyson is, like, the better version of Grop in Harry Potter. Yes. Sometimes I forget Grop exists because that storyline is awful. Like, Mm -hmm. I hate the Grop storyline in Harry Potter. It's so bad. It's cringy. It's really cringy. And it and the movie did not help it. Like, no. No, no, no. And I don't I don't mean to like always compare them because they are two different series and I, I love both and they can both coexist. But the main thing I do think about when it comes to Harry Potter versus Percy Jackson is that like we've been talking about, Rick Riordan just has a lot more compassion and like wanting to draw fully realized diverse characters. And JK Rowling definitely did not do that. I mean, you know, you have the fact that there's like two black characters three maybe and then you have like Cho Chang who has you know two like last names and it, it you know it, it it's very different in like it's also different what they were trying to do um as authors and with their series but you know I think of the fact that required and just kind of comes from a place of more compassion it feels like and genuinely just wanting to show that different types of people exist in the world um and yeah, Tyson is a sweetie and Grop is terrible. <laughs> Moral of the story. Yeah, and like, and at first Percy did not want to have anything to do with Tyson, but yeah. over the course of over the course of the sea of the sea of monsters in which he's introduced, he like you know learns to to come around to love his half brother who is different than him, mm-hmm. and I think that that's really sweet and really something that you know can show children you know the way of having compassion for others you know like it's not just it's not just the fact that you have these these children these different types of children and different you know developmental disorders and different ways who they are but also having the other characters be compassionate towards each other because that's the it's like the opposite that's the other side of this this issue is that you you also want to you know treat others the way you want to be treated and that goes for people who don't look like you as well and don't act like you or sound like you. Like there's, you know, I think it's what Rick Riordan has done here is develop a series of books for kids that I think, you know, are, are the books are necessary for, you know, I think for, for people to like, you know, if, if, you know, we talk about a lot about how Harry Potter is used. I mean, it's one of the biggest things on the planet and people use it a lot for comparisons in politics and like general comparisons, you know, like, oh, there's just like Harry Potter or something like that. Um, but if Percy Jackson's books, if those books were as popular as Harry Potter, I feel like we'd be in an even better place as a oh, generation. <laughs> like, I feel like just just the, the, the main fact that like there is a level of compassion between all these characters and understanding. And I think that that's really a hopeful message. And because Harry Potter doesn't have that diversity, you can't there. That lesson isn't able to be learned, except that 
like mudbloods are cool. That's sort of like the only like the like having parent having having parents of non-magical origin is fine. Like that's right. sort of the extent of her her stuff with the uh, Voldemort and like the bad guys. Like you know, and and the lessons learned. Like love, hey, obviously love is a huge theme in Harry Potter, and that's great. Um, and there, you know, there are great things about Harry Potter, Harry Potter's themes, but they don't go as far as Percy Jackson's themes. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. And I think that, you know, again, it, it stems from required and like the reason he wrote these books um, and why I love him so much, you know, beyond just his own writing. Um, so with him and at Hyperion, um, he has a series called Required and Presents. And so it's these new books um, by like new upcoming authors, usually diverse authors, women, women of color, um, writing their own stories, their own experiences and, you know, culture and whatever interests them. And so they are the authors and they are published under this imprint called Rick Riordan Presents. So basically Rick Riordan is using the platform he's gained through his books and his like fame to uplift other diverse voices and let them tell their stories and basically help, you know, share his platform with them to get them, you know, visibility and recognition. And I love that because like that to me is kind of like what an ally is. It's not just like talking the talk, you have to walk the walk. Like Rick Riordan is actually using his own platform to lift other voices and not just like, like, yes, he writes a lot of diverse characters and stuff, but he's not saying like, oh, I'm going to take your idea and write it like for you he's giving other authors the platform to write and use their voices which is just really 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 heckin neato it's like so it's really neato. cool it's like, and that's like, more creators i'm like more creators should look at him as like an example i think yeah i agree um so let's dive into a couple we've talked about a couple bit couple characters uh who okay so you said piper is your favorite and i said Piper's frank my is girl. my favorite yeah what do you think of the og percy jackson i mean i love i love percy um definitely like in the first book um so uh it's percy annabeth and grover are like the trilogy of the trio they're like the ron harry hermione um and yeah. grover was always my favorite which i think is similar because ron is my favorite in harry potter um but i mean i love them they're all like sweeties and i think nico and bianca are really cool like i love the introduction of them in the first series i think they're both really special characters um and yeah i love them and i just percy is such a good kid mm-hmm like, he's so good and pure-hearted, and I love his relationship with his mom a lot. Yeah. I think it's really special, and it just, you know, shows how, what a wonderful person Percy is. Um, and so, I like yeah, that I they don't dis- I don't, I like how they don't dismiss the parents as, like, you know, something that these characters go back to at the end of the books. Like, they definitely bring them in, especially in the later books, as, like, important figures in their lives like these aren't just you know percy doesn't want to escape his normal world even though he definitely loves camp half-blood like more than the normal world or yeah. i guess the the, the the non-godly world he definitely like appreciates his mother wants the best for her likes his stepdad a lot he's real or like the, the the good stepdad that comes yes, later the good one um well, they're a good one. Um, like he really, he let you know, and, and he's understanding too. Like, uh, that the in the fact that there's not really a conflict there, I really appreciated that because I didn't want like, oh, we have to tiptoe around the stepdad. Like, you could just bring him in. Like, that's great. Right. Um, and also like, uh, where was I going with this? Yeah, no, Percy's great. I like I like I said at the, at the beginning of the episode, like I I identified with Percy, like the way his brain worked. Like, the way his personality was, was, like, and his, like, sarcastic, you know, sort of, you know, viewpoint on things, and every everything is sort of, like, kind of insane to him, sort of, like, stems from, like, when I was, like, reading the first book, I, like, t- I think I told, like, message you, like, Percy thinks the way I think, like, there's a yeah. lot there, like, we have the same, there's a lot there that I can compare him to, to me, myself, and I was like, that's fun, that's neat, um, even though I don't have 
you know, ADHD or dyslexia, like the those things don't define Percy, but they're definitely a part of him. And so, like, it felt cool that I was like, oh, I can relate to a character that isn't a straight white boy that's like me. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think, I mean, it's sort of, you know, I don't know. I think that's, that's heckin' neat. Uh, and Annabeth is great. She's very much the Hermione of yeah. the of the um, series, which, you know, I these are, like, shorthands for people who may not are super familiar mm-hmm. with Percy Jackson and you may be listening to this Percy's definitely the Harry Potter um Grover in the first series is definitely Ron like you said um and but then but then I what I really like in the second bo- book series is that he definitely he definitely doesn't do the same thing that he did in the first series which is uh set it up as like a you know a series of years the, the um, or like, you know, it's set at the camp and it's every summer is a new book. Whereas the this second book series, I think from I'm in the fourth book now, it's only been like a couple weeks that mm-hmm. have taken place yeah. over the course of these four books. Like yeah. that's that's sort of insane. And there's like and they're longer books too. Um, but he does a really good job of like, you know, telling a different type of story in the um this in the second series. Um yeah. No, like all the characters are 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 ultimately really really fascinating characters. You know, you have a couple characters who are the sons and daughters of Hades and Pluto. Like, what's that like? Like, it's it's weird. It it's weird, but great. I'm I'm a little biased because Hades is my favorite Greek god, um, and I love Hades with my entire heart and soul. Um, but um, although actually my favorite god. Like goddess is Psyche, um, because she becomes a god or a goddess when she gets with Eros. Um, but I just wanted to shout out Psyche because she's my girl and I love her so much and she's the goddess of the soul and she's the best. Um, but yeah, I it's you know hearing you talk about it, I love hearing other people like talk about the series because um, I've loved it for so long. But obviously, like you said, it's not as big as Harry Potter, so not everyone has read it or is familiar with it. And I just love hearing you talk about why you like it and the impressions you get from it because I've mentioned this before but like it really is all about like a place of compassion and the fact that like Rick Riordan just wants people to be able to see themselves and realize their own potential you know a lot of the trials in these books are about the demigods like not really like either believing in themselves or believing that they can achieve something um and you know having to kind of grapple with their their you know differing identities and you know what they're capable of and I think it's just it's all very positive and hopeful and encouraging and I really love that um and I also really want to play capture the flag at Camp Half-Blood yeah that sounds insane it sounds so fun it sounds very dangerous but also yeah what would be your weapon of choice what would be your weapon of choice I mean, I'm always going to go for, like, a sword. Like, I'm always going to, like, yeah. a sword. Ball. Like, I just, I want to, like, swing around a sword and fight, like, a... I want a nice, I want, I want a nice shield. A nice shield mm-hmm. that I can whack people up with, but also have, like, a nice... Ooh, ooh. Okay, so I have no idea if there's, like, a Camp Norse or whatever, but I want a hammer. I want a nice Mjolnir. You want a good Mjolnir. <laughs> to run around. Or an axe. Ooh, I can go for an axe. I'll give you, like, a hint. There is a, um, it's not a camp, but there is a central location mm-hmm. for all like the demigods and the norse trilogy that's fun it's, um, it's fun is it in america or is it in europe it's in, it's in america um but they do travel like worldwide yeah. um but it's um magnus is from like the boston area <clears throat> that's cool yeah it's really new englander like myself um exactly. oh i really like that there's a floating boat a floating ship in the second series, the Argo 2. Just because? Because like, we need a way to get around. And we're not going to do this, like, taxi cab to ship to boat to car thing. We're just going to have the central, you know, like, place that they can all get onto. And it seems, it from the way he describes it, it seems massive. Yes. And I'm like, heckin' awesome. Well, um, and that's the other fun thing about, like, the series is, like, The Mist, yeah. So the mist is something that exists um, in the series. Basically, it basically, if like a god is out walking around or like a 
satyr or something out in the real world, the mist kind of covers them up. So regular mortal humans see them as other regular mortal humans or like, um, or they see them as slightly different, but something that's totally normal to hide kind of their mythological aspects. Right. Like you may see a Pegasus, but the mist will show you a regular horse or something. Right. Exactly. Because um, Pegasus, Pegasi also exist in this universe, and it's heckin' awesome. I mean, I say, I'm saying heckin' a lot. I I apologize for people no. who like don't like that, but I don't know. I think, I think it's how I feel about the series. I think it's adorable when you say heckin', but like it's 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 true because it's so cool. Like again, all the details that Rick puts into these worlds, it's just so fun. He brings in so many aspects, and he incorporates them in such clever, fun ways, and I love that. It's just. His books are fun, they're compassionate, they're hopeful, they, you know, help you feel seen and like you are capable of anything. And I think that's really, really cool. Um, and to end this, this this wonderful, positive conversation, Willoughby, I want to know, who is your godly parent? I, yo, I was going to ask you that too. So... Mine would be Poseidon. You're you're a child of Poseidon. I'm a I'm a I'm a, a, a son of the sea. Yeah. Um. So I fought this for a very long time, but I finally had to accept the truth. I am one hundred percent a daughter of Zeus, and I hate it, but it's true. I am. I'm like. Jason and I have a lot in common. I love Jason Grace. Um, and I'm like, I am I am that hero, impulsive, reckless Zeus kid. Do and I, Huh? Do-gooder? I, I am. I am. And I, I did not want to be a child of Zeus. I tried to fight it. That's fascinating because, like, you're such a Gryffindor. And, you know, they, uh, they have very similar, you know, like... They do. But Reckless I don't, bravery. <laughs> which is all true, and I love that about myself, but I'm just like, Zeus, really? I just think Zeus, I just have issues with Zeus, but I guess that would fit if I'm a demigod of Zeus. I have issues with my father. What do you think of Talia Grace? We haven't talked about her at all. I love Talia. I think she's wonderful. I think she's such a badass, um, and I like her a lot. Um, it, it's I, There's not really any of the, like, the, especially the demigods that I like dislike. Um, I mean, like, Octavius is one thing, but he's a nightmare. Um, but, like, I think all of them have, like, even the ones we don't really like at first, like, they all sort of, like, end up, um, you end up learning more about them and liking them and seeing all the different sides of them. And so all the characters are just so great. Um, but, yeah, I would be a daughter of Zeus here. So we're both um, children of the big three. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. I also like the idea of you're able being able to walk into the water and your clothes wouldn't be wet and you'd also be able to breathe. That Those seems cool. Things. I agree. Those are pretty awesome. Um, yeah. So basically, we just want to tell everyone who's listening, if you haven't read Percy Jackson or you have any reservations for whatever reason, definitely read the series. Um, you can start with the Norse one. It's only three, so it's a lot easier than the ma- massive like ten book Greek Roman series um but they're all really fun and definitely give them a try because I think a lot of people would really love these series if they just gave it a chance yeah my girlfriend started reading Percy Jackson this week so like there's like a lot so happy yeah she was like I'm reading Percy Jackson and I was like yes yes um so it's it's a great series um you know I think everything we talked about is important and I, this was a great conversation, but I think it's now it's time to move on. I think, yeah. Yes, it is time to move on thoughts? to our last segment. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. So, Willoughby. Yes. What are you really liking this week? Uh, I've got two things. Okay. Uh, because HT is not here. That's so okay. She we can break the rules. Yeah. She can't. We yell can at us. break the rules and also also, you know, one of these, you know, it's fill in the time that she's not here. Right. Um so, so the first thing is 
so I think I've talked about this before. Uh, I really love the Adventure Zone, which is the yeah. uh, the tabletop podcast uh, by the McElroy brothers and their dad. Uh, they just released the second graphic novel, which is based on the second arc in their first uh, campaign uh, podcast called uh, Murder on the Rockport Limited. It's uh, really good. Uh, the art and the art is done by Carrie Peach, and she's a great a great artist and has adapted the series to to a visual medium incredibly well. Um, if you've never listened to the podcast, these books I would recommend the graphic novels. They're a good way of sort of like I wouldn't say binging, but it's definitely like an adaptation of like six or seven podcast episodes comprised into a regular graphic novel length that is very digestible you can get who these characters are there's some references to the to the like to the podcast itself you know it's it, they definitely include griffin the dm as like a character which is really interesting like it's definitely like they don't they don't um uh undo they don't like it's still like from a D perspective like there's a lot of D elements still in the pod like actual like character like like when a new character shows up like a little like thing comes up of who they are and like race class weapons yeah. and all that it's really like fun so let me ask you i've never listened to the adventure zone so it's a narrative podcast so it's a D podcast which so are is they are they podcasting a real game of D and D that they've been playing or is it all um, like made up dice rolling and different or are so, they playing? So from what I've been told, they're not really playing legitimate Dungeons and Dragons and there's definitely editing to make every episode like an hour. Um, but like, it's still like they do roll dice. They do, you know, have to roll for, you know, like, a, a d20 to see like mm -hmm. what they get yeah um and it's definitely like i would say like I, i've never played dungeons and dungeons and dragons so i can't say how good they are at it but from what people have said on the internet they're not really playing dungeons and dragons okay. but they are they're not like reading from scripts or anything okay it's definitely like griffin is definitely griffin mcelroy is definitely playing the, he's a dm who's telling them what to do and then they have Rolled, it's basically it's like super basic D D where they like okay. roll to see what they do and then they do it and they they describe it but it's, but it's definitely being made up on the spot like it griffin has fun i should give it a try you really should i think you would really like it um it's super funny uh and the character building is so good the narrative building by like the seventh arc is so good so like how you're much gonna, do i have to like, catch up on there's 69 episodes uh, oh, that's actually not as bad as I thought. No, 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 you no, it's it's actually like pretty it's pretty bingeable. Um and like I would say like it's 69 episodes, but the the last three episodes are all like two hours each. Okay. But like for the most part, every other episode is about an hour to an hour and a half. Um and there's also ad break, there's an ad break in between that you can just skip over because those ads are like four years old at this point, yeah. where you can just sort of like you can just sort of like press the 10 second forward button on your iPod until you get to the part where they go back to the podcast. And that, that'll take out about five or so. iPod. Well, I listen to the podcast on an iPod. Um, you still have an iPod? Not a iPod classic, not a click wheel iPod, but definitely like it was an iPod touch from 2013. Um, God. Yeah, no, I like, I like having old technology. Um, no, but okay. So the adventure zone is really good on you. And I think you should really, I think, I think, I think it has all the elements that you would like. It's got, um, it's got good representation. All the, like, you know, like the characters that Griffin creates, especially by the, by the fourth, fifth and sixth arc are definitely like, you know, good. Um, they're not just straight white men. Mm -hmm. Um, even though everyone on the podcast is a straight white man. Um, but they do a good job of, of having a lot of NPCs of of different types of people, yeah. and it's like in in like what we were saying earlier with Rick Riordan, like you know he, Griffin does a really good job of inc incorporating characters who are not himself, mm -hmm. um, and it's super funny, and like the the dynamic between these good old boys and their dad is super great, um, I love and that. the story that, that so the cool. story that. They, 
the story that they tell, especially in the last couple arcs, is amazing. And every time I listen to the finale, I cry. Uh, but it's like a good cry. It's not tragic. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. end tragically. It ends, it ends hopefully. Okay, it's good. about bonds. It's about friendship. It's a found family, 100%. Oh, no, that's my oh. favorite thing. Yeah, you're going to... Oh, Anya, please okay. let me know if and when you get into the Adventure Zone. I need to uh, listen. But this is all to say the graphic novel came out. And I was going to do a second one, but I've talked a lot. My second one, I'm just going to say Punch Up the Jam is a great podcast. It's by uh, Demi Adijuibe and Miel Bredo. And they're two Vine stars who are also friends and I guess former Vine stars because Vine doesn't exist. But Vine. Rip. They do they do a podcast where they punch up like one hit wonders and like different songs oh. where, where they, they like break down every song line by line. And then one of them has uh, come in with their own quote unquote punched up version of a podcast. But it's super funny. They've got guests. It's really cool. Like I, you know, it's 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 super bingeable. Like, and if you're a fan of like pop music, and if you're a fan of comedy, like I think it's a great combination of that. Um, yeah, uh, Punch Up the Jam Punch is my second really like, but it, right. I, I I went long on the the Adventure Zone because I'm trying to I ask questions. Trying to get um, everyone I know into it. Yeah, no, I definitely need to get into it. Um, all right, well I'm just gonna go into mine. Um. Last night, I took my mom to see Hugh Jackman at the Hollywood Bowl, and it was so fun. He's currently doing a one-man show, um, like a world tour, um, a lot of singing and dancing. Um, And, man, I know we all love Hugh Jackman, but I don't know what that but is about. But, like, it's a good thing we love Hugh Jackman, because he is so great. He is so charming. Projects that have been eh. Yes, yes. But, like... He himself is wonderful. He's so charming. He engaged the audience a lot and like chatted with us and was just so lovely. And he told stories. He's very funny. Um, And he's obviously incredibly talented. I mean, he's won a Tony for God's sake. And he is a great singer and a great performer. And he did a whole tap number for us, which was incredible. And I just really love that we have people like Hugh Jackman in the world who are just positive and, you know, love entertaining for the pure value of entertainment and, you know, putting on a good show. And he's just such a, such a good guy. And it was a really wonderful show. My mom had the best time. It was so fun seeing how happy she was. Um, And I love Hugh Jackman and I want him to win an Oscar. I want him to be an EGOT. That would be so great. Like, both he and Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, need to become EGOT winners. Like, they both need it. Um, um, yeah. Did he do his, did he do his Oscar number? The one, he did not do the his one Oscar that, number. I know, I know. Cool. Did he do, did he do, like, like, you said it's a one-man show, but is it him, like, performing different songs? Like Yeah, yeah, and he has, like, he has, like, he has, like a, a choir, and he has dancers with him. Um, but so he did, like, he did Greatest Showman, he did Les Mis, he did Gaston, because he played Gaston in Australia. Um, he did, oh, did... Yeah, he did, um, he sang, like, he sang the song that he and his wife, Deb, like, first danced to at their wedding. Um, and they had, like, pictures of them on the screens. It was really cute. Um, he did like a whole, he did like a montage of like classic Hollywood musicals that he said he grew up watching. So he did like Luck Be a Lady and Singing in the Rain. Um, and then one, one of my favorite parts of the whole show was he started talking about Australia and like the culture of Australia. And um, they played very um, like traditional Aboriginal Australian music. And he actually brought out um, Aboriginal singers to um to sing and perform and he kind of stepped back and let them have the stage and one of the women who was there singing she is an aboriginal elder um and she got to like talk a little bit on stage about like her activism um with aboriginal tribes in australia and that was really special because i like that Hugh jackman you know is clearly so proud of where he comes from um but also you know like recognize that this is not really his place so he like brought them out and kind of stepped back and let them have part of the show which was really cool um, so it was just such a fun show, very like genuine and pure hearted and very funny. Like I said, he is such a charming, funny person. It's so good. That's neat. That's great. 
yeah. So I loved seeing you, Jackman. It was great. Um, highly recommend if he's coming anywhere near you and you love singing and dancing and musical theater and just having a really genuinely heartfelt evening out. I highly recommend seeing Hugh Jackman if you can. Um, and so that is what I'm really liking. And that concludes our episode for the week. If you guys have any thoughts on Percy Jackson or any of other uh, Rick Riordan's books or any good podcasts you're listening to, including The Adventure Zone or Punch Up the Jam, or if you've seen any great shows recently, uh, live shows, come chat with us about all of this and more. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willie Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye.